Yo, it is Friday. Finally, we made it to Friday. This has been a good week. We got a little bit more to go today. We're going to talk about a couple of things. Cox's top 10 list, like what things we should be paying attention to. We're going to go through that for a second. Everywhere I go, the people really want to know who I is and who I be. They stop oh, the they Friday. Friday feels so good today. I don't know, man. I don't know how everybody's Thursday was, but ours was ours was lit. energizing. <laughs> Let's just say, let's just say there's, there's some time in September. Like you, you may just want to make sure you're not going on vacation in September. You're not planning any random, you know, events or company picnics or anything like that, <laughs> because there may be something to do. There may or may not be something to do in September. Specifically that may just the mind, second so. or third week. <laughs> there may be something second or third week to be specific, but uh, we're going to talk about it more soon. But boy. Boy, uh, is this undercurrent getting a little bit stronger. We like to talk about what we're doing with Automotive State of the Union like an undercurrent, right? Because there are so many people that are attached and involved in what we're doing and what the dealer community is doing that no one has really seen yet, right? Everybody paying attention and outsiders looking in, you might just not see it yet. But like an undercurrent, Little by little, you see a person getting pulled out into the ocean and then another one and then another one. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, there's something going on under the water. And then before you know it, everybody's in a frenzy. So that's how we yes. think it's going to go around here. That's how it is going. And I'm excited it's about true. it. It's just like everybody's going, yeah, there's something moving and I feel it and I'm a part of it. I don't really know exactly what I'm a part of, but there's a big move. And I think that that's the energy. I mean, every time automotive gets together. I feel like we, you know, it, it doesn't matter what event or what, you know, clubhouse room or what uh, live or anything like that. What what everyone comes out saying is like there was a particular energy. I don't really know how to put my finger on it, but it's it so was common there. to hear that. It's so common. Yeah. Kyle and I just spent um, a, a good portion of an hour this morning in a, a clubhouse room with a lot of our investors. Um, we're there, our dealer investors in a Soto and boy. Does that just get me fired up about what we're doing? One of the things we were talking about is May 9th. We are having a live in-person event, the first evening of Digital Dealer in Tampa, Florida, the Asoto Family Reunion Remix. Uh, tickets are starting to go now, so if you haven't gotten your tickets, go to asoto.com, click on the little banner at the top, you get the details of the event. Um, we're gonna have a lot of special guests there. You can see them uh, listed out. We're gonna have a retail swag experience, so you're gonna get a Asoto Bucks coming in and get to go shopping for some awesome swag. We're gonna make it hot. Um, we're gonna have great food, great drinks, right? Great pictures. Always. Great social posts and my favorite part like we talk about this a lot my favorite part is like spending five minutes with someone that you respect in the industry and getting some insights from them in person in five minutes is worth more than watching yes. 10 hours of content online exactly yeah i think this is this is what a lot of people are like well, mixers like leave business for the day it's not leave a mixer business. no that is not that is not what we're after here. This is not a mixer. This is not like just like, you know, puts around a party and hopefully get a drink. This is intentional connection that like you can like doing business, being intentional about the way that you spend time with people is what we want to provide when we put on an event with a soda. That's right. And so, you know, when it's like, hey, that, that, that was so that didn't feel like work. It's not going to feel like work. But you're going to realize you probably pull more value out of these couple of hours with all these people than you probably did in the last like four weeks. So um, hope Let's you can go. join us. 
Again, tickets sold out last year. They'll probably sell out again. If you're a dealer, our friends at AutoFi paid for all the dealer tickets. So if you're a dealer or you work for a dealership, go and register. It's still a ticketed event. Go to the thing, register your ticket now, but uh, it's on our friends at AutoFi. And if you're an industry partner, we're bringing you all the value for the ticket cost. So we had some some industry partners line up yesterday. We're like, yo, this is the place to be. So, and just exactly start to, right. to start to buy some tickets. So I'm going to talk about that more a little bit uh, right after this show today. If you're on the live stream at nine o'clock Eastern, we're jumping into the all things used car clubhouse room where David Long has just puts together probably one of the most meaningful live pieces of content in automotive across the board every single week. Yes. And we're talking about Brian Kramer's newsletter from LinkedIn this week, which oh, was gosh. just unhinged. I don't know where he gets And the time. so I, I can't wait. We're like, we got to get through this stuff right now so that we can get to that stuff. Yeah. There's going so for- much going on in the industry. It's crazy. All right. Let's talk about a few things. Um, let's little, do it. Little story we've been following CNN plus uh, we've been talking about the streaming <laughs> where he laughs. He laughs right out of the gate. I so got him. we've <laughs> got him. We've been talking about streaming services and the fact that, it's no longer everyone subscribing to everything because consumers are more price sensitive. They are more, um, you know, they're going through their budgets and saying, I, this is matters that doesn't matter. Well, CNN put a whole lot of effort and a whole lot of money. They literally hired other news personalities away from other networks like Chris Wallace. They got him to go from Fox to CNN. That took a couple right. of bucks, right? It took a couple of bucks. And CNN launched just four weeks ago and they just announced that they are shutting it down after <sighs> nobody wanted it. Like y'all talk about a market research miss. How does that happen? Well, apparently they weren't, apparently they didn't find, they didn't find the research on how Netflix was losing subscribers like crazy. And they thought they they were, (laughs) but that we didn't know that at the time, but I'm I'm thinking like, how does, how does a network with the size and scope of CNN not understand what their consumer actually wants? Like how it was like, think about the, think about the niche. Think about when you need what CNN provides, right? It's very, it's a time-based scenario. Like you're not, you're not looking for post streaming. You're not watching CNN two days later going, man, glad I know that. Now Uh, the people that are watching CNN are looking for the on the moment news. And which is typically, let's be honest around CNN. There's just a lot of. Um, a lot of selling the news, right? It's a lot of like right. when something's falling apart, there's there's kind of like this level of, uh, I'll use a heavy word, I kind of mean it, is like this fear mongering, right? And yep. it's like, that's why people tune in, right? Because something's going on, I need information My, my now. old boss, this, uh, like the at the place that I was at, he had a TV in his office and it ran CNN all day, Yeah. right? So he's not waiting for the streaming service or like plugging that in at nine o'clock yes. at night when he's, you know, hanging out, like, at home, There's you know, just, about to grab the family around to watch CNN plus, not, right? Not, not, a, <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. So what happened was, um, they only had got 150,000 subscribers total. Only 10,000 of those were even tuning in every day. And to give you a little, a thought of scale and scope, Netflix has 221 million subscribers. Disney plus yeah. has 129 million subscribers, right? And so, um, and yeah. you think of the value that brings to the whole family, Right. Even if you're a CNN plus, like I'll tell you what in news in my family, there's like one person that brings value to this guy. (laughs) Right. My kids, they want to watch, you know, Marvel and Moana and whatever else, whatever else is played. This is the opportunity. And and you put this in our show notes. But when Warner and Discover merge. Right. Discovery. Yeah. And then 
Discovery. And then, so if you had like HBO Max and Discovery and CNN, like the thing that Apple or or that, um, sorry, Disney did with, I think it's Disney, Hulu, ESPN, right? And they plug that in for one monthly subscription. Yes. And they raised overall monthly active users because of that. Yep. That's that was the opportunity, and now they've got to go back and scrounge for that. Yeah, that now time. they're backing up. Well, the new CEO, um, he's new. His name's David uh, Zaslav, and he wasn't pumped about the project from the beginning. And now that he's in charge mm. of the whole thing, he's saying like, "Hey, I want to take HBO Max. I want to take Discovery. Like, let's roll it all up and let's get it under one service." Which I mean, so like, smart. look, they have a lot of great content on those networks. Yep. Um, you know, I'm a Discovery Plus subscriber primarily because the Magnolia Network, which has just, just moved, moved over. over to HBO. Yep. So, um, you know, it's not dead, but it's just, I think, uh, a lesson for all of us. Now, look, a lot of people worked really hard on it, and it's easy to sit in our seat and be like, you guys suck, right? But, <laughs> but, but the truth is, a lot of people worked really hard on it, and it failed. And failing, if you're smart, means you're going to learn something and come back way better. And now you understand. Hard lesson. So hopefully we learn a little bit of a hard lesson from them. And I know we're railing on you a little bit, but, but you know. We love you. <laughs> we, we love you for trying. We, we love, love you for you trying. For, That's the best look, way to put it. We love you for trying. I don't swing know if we love for you. the fences is is kind of a motto of ours. Like go for it, you know. And, and they did, so, and they did. Hit on them. Uh, let's talk about cock. We have covered the story in our uh, daily newsletter. If you don't get it, a so2.com send out uh, an email every single day with kind of a curation of stories in automotive and culture and crypto and all that. Uh, Cox Automotive released ten key insights from the data that their Kelly Blue Book team gathered. Pretty, pretty concise list of things. Here I we like go. it. Yeah. Uh, any, anything on there, Kyle, that bounced out to you? We'll, we'll actually, let me read them. And here are the 10 insights, and then we'll kind of drill into one or two. All right. So uh, number one, Toyota is still on top. Two really? <laughs> EV sales <laughs> continue to increase. Only, you don't say. Only four brands <laughs> delivered year-over-year sales gains. Year-over-year sales gains, BMW, Genesis, Mini, and Tesla. That's an interesting group. We'll talk about okay, that. That's, I like We can, we can lean on that. Me, yeah, yeah, that's not a surprise. I mean, that is a surprise. Ford's F-Serious is still king. Okay. Fiat sold only 340 vehicles in Q1. That's like 340. Oh. No comma. <laughs> wow. I wonder how many they made. Um, luxury brands grab more <laughs> share. <laughs> oh, man, man it's, we're not hating on you. <laughs> so luxury brands grab more market share in Q1. So more people are into luxury than other things. Tesla is still the dominant player in the EV market. Big surprise there. Yeah, small don't vehicles, say. Small vehicles are more popular than mid-sized vehicles, but the large ones are the most popular models still, even with gas prices. Interesting. In luxury, new cars are important, which makes a ton of sense. Right. If I'm, of sense. if I'm, Absolutely. if I'm have the money to buy a luxury vehicle, like, you know, a lot of people want to know, I, I drive a luxury I vehicle. My car. But I did not buy it. Yeah. new. <laughs> my next one. My goal is He's like, next- if I get a luxury vehicle, wait a second. Hold on a second. I actually, I actually bought a navigator right when COVID hit and dealers were like panic selling. Yeah, I flew to Milwaukee to pick it up from New York and I drove it home when gas was like a dollar a gallon. And even the toll booths were closed because of COVID. I didn't even have to pay any tolls. Okay, one more. Three segments account for 49% of U.S. auto sales. Those three segments are compact SUVs, full-size pickups, and mid-size SUVs. All right, that's the 10 insights. Here we go. Number three and number 10 are the most interesting to me, and I want to start with number 10. Look, gas prices were lower last year, but they were still not at all-time lows or anything like that. Nope. It is very clear that the SUV 
and pickup segments are not going away in the U.S. And they continue to stay strong, even in a market where gas prices are up. Like I know, I know Nissan and Toyota dealers and Mazda dealers that cannot keep CX-5s, Rogues, uh, you know, that type of trim level, the RAV4s in stock. It's not even possible what's a fuel, for them. What's the fuel mileage on a CX-5? You should know this. Yeah, uh, depending on driving habits, like 28 to 34. Shoot. Right? So it's still good. I mean, still really good. That's used to, you used to have to buy a Honda Accord or a Camry to get that. True. Mileage. That's, True. that's crazy. That has changed quite a bit. Yeah. So, so either way. I think that's I think that's interesting, like realizing that 50% of sales come from things that don't have super EV type of guy. Yeah. They aren't the, you know, things that are, that are the highest gas, you know, gas mileage, yeah. uh, you know, miles per gallon. They're not that 40, that 45, the hybrid things like that, the, the cars. Yep. So I think that's really like just to key in on is the automotive segment ready for, you know, it, it like, do they even need the leap to EV because they're already willing to pay the gas prices in those <sighs> segments? Mean, yeah. The EV. Interesting. It is. I mean, I think I, I think you're right there. I think fuel economy is going to be um, less of, of a conversation, even though it's expensive. We talked about this. I mean, the EV, like what you get for what you pay for, it, is so much more expensive. Yep. Right. Like a Tesla Model Three is a lot more than a Toyota Corolla. Yep, right. Exactly. Or even a lot more than like um, you know a, an entry level Lexus. Right. For what you get, so fuel maybe not the deal. But I'll tell you what, when that battery powered Navigator comes out, I bet it's going to be freaking awesome. So legit. I know. All right. So four brands year over year sales gains. We kind of talked about this earlier in the year, a few months ago, how luxury segments had the capacity to see gains because of increased cash in market, uh, people in uh, positions where um, where the economy held strong in in executive positions, uh, in, in retail sales positions where it had the cash liquidity to purchase and kind of like the moment is now to buy my luxury segment vehicle yep. uh, because of the cash in the market. And so to see things like BMW, Genesis, Mini and Tesla be the market movers in year over year sales gains is indicative of that nature of the market, I think. I think there's another element to it um, being they're not volume players. So mm. I think they were able to increase production. Supply chain, yeah. Because they didn't need to do it by a lot to get the allocation of chips. Interesting. And, and some things, I think when we, I don't remember which super luxury it was, maybe it was Bentley. But basically, I think it was Volkswagen was saying that they would allocate chips to higher margin vehicles. There right? you go. Luxury's higher margin. So I think it's those, both of those elements probably have something to do with it. But uh, I, I'd be really surprised if that holds out this year. Like I, think, I know, I think that was that was the that was the shot, and they shot it, and they did good, and they did, they did good. Great. Uh, we got one more, uh, I think, really fun story. We talk a lot about crypto, um, EVs kind of converge with the environmental impact on the planet. And last night, Times Square went completely dark. The whole block, all the flickering so screens, the the multi-story LEDs, they all went dark as part of a marketing campaign from crypto mining company company Algorand. So it went dark between eight and nine p.m. And I love the visual that this gives, right? They give it some perspective. I think great education gives you a perspective. So they were like, we saved 23.4 billion joules of energy. Okay, I still don't know what a joule of energy is, but it sounds like a lot, right? It sounds like a lot. And they said that amount of energy that was saved in that one hour of all those screens being on would only power 1.5 seconds of Bitcoin's network operations. And that could only process six transactions. 
I was like, what? I was like, okay, well, maybe it is kind of an energy hug all of a sudden. That's a lot of power for six. Wow. Trans- so, and the point that Algorand I was didn't making, even notice that me neither. And it's Algorand, nuts. so they're kind of like focused on renewables, but they have pioneered a different way to process the transaction. So they said, okay, so six transactions, one point five seconds, traditional network. Well, their way and that amount of power that they saved in that one hour would power. 350 million transactions and keep the network up for two weeks. Oh, that is a game changer (laughs) for cryptocurrency game changer because everybody's talking about the suck on energy, the necessity for solar energy or things like that to be able to power cryptocurrency transactions and, you know, mining fees and, and, and gas fees and stuff like that. And that's a, that's a game changer because like you think about that at scale, I mean, that's a... Oh, gosh. I, w- I wonder how many wow. transactions are processed. I wonder how much it costs to process like a credit card transaction. I yeah, want- how much energy? That right? would be an interesting study. Because it's not nothing, right? It's not. You have You're right. You sale terminals. It's got to go. You have these massive data centers. They're syncing up with banks. Like, it's not But it's nothing. something that just kind of like, like came into market slowly, and so nobody yeah. really even noticed. Well, it's just part of regular really life. About it. Right, exactly. Right? And so, huh. I mean, interesting things. But again, just highlighting the fact that this world is being turned upside down by technology, new just ways of doing things, uh, you know, shortages, environmental issues, new technologies hitting the market. And the only way to survive is to keep moving. There you go. That's it. Well, we hope we were able to help keep you moving today. Again, sign up, asodu.com. Get on the email list. Come see us if you're in Tampa. We would love to meet you in person. Say hi. Got a little bit more to go this week, but let's go with a little energy and pep in our step. (laughs) 